0: welcome to your happy place podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Ross. I am an entrepreneur and a real estate investor. Each week we will be bringing you interviews about real estate investing, property management, and sharing inspiring stories. Are you ready? Let's get started. today on the podcast, I am so pleased to have Timothy McCachran here with me. He's joining us from his business, Worthy Financial. Welcome, Timothy.
1: Thank you for having me, Jenna. It's great to be here.
0: I'm so excited for our conversation today where we talk about all things money and helping people sort of navigate their financial future and improve it. Can you tell us about how the business name Worthy Financial came about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, when I was creating my business and I, and I started this business in 2020, I uh, spent two weeks at my sister's cottage in Cape Breton on the water and truly rummaging through everything, trying to figure out what, what am I going to do for this business? Every aspect of it, how I'm going to attract customers, what's my name going to be? And picking a name in that process was probably the most difficult, but I knew that it would just hit me. And it hit me one day, uh, I was in the overlooking the Bedore Lakes, and I was just like worthy. Okay, net worth, often the people that I'm looking to attract are people that are often you know, not fully engaged in financial planning and maybe building or looking at their net worth. And are sometimes not looked at as maybe worthy by banks because they're not in the private banking side of the bank. And I was like, this is the name. And then I went through, started getting in my head, I picked out some other names and I knew I was gonna have to do some name searches. And then I, you know, put out some polls on social media on what names to pick. And the other names I had picked, which I won't mention because they are some of them were picked over didn't fit, feel right to me, but other people said they liked them. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I really second guessed, but then it, it just like, Worthy was the only one available. I went with it. It has been uh, something that's been both eye-catching and a great way to start conversations with people because people immediately kind of get caught by Worthy. And I just feel like it has really just, I, I don't know, it's like now I have a whenever I wear clothing with worthy on it, people are always attracted to it, yeah, so that's how that I picked my name for the company, and it really has been one of the greatest assets in in striking conversations about people's financial problems or people's finances and how how to build them to be better
0: oh i love I love, love, love that story, and I love your worthy clothing. It's very elevated and yeah, it's a perfect business name and it really stands out and it's sort of that play on words too. And uh and there's a whole money mindset piece that you know people are wondering, are they are they worthy and they want to be? And money's just such a weird energy thing.
1: It truly is, and often people May not feel worthy when they don't get the response they want when they leave a financial meeting, mm-hmm. because maybe that financial meeting is transactional and not based on a relationship. And with my clients, it's all based on relationships and knowing knowing them so I can provide advice that's best for them.
0: Amazing. And so I've come to find out that there's not a lot of people that are offering what you do. Can you share with us your business model?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in my space, I'm called, like in the industry, fee only. And what fee only is, is that I charge a fee for my services, but I don't sell any products. So I'm not selling investments or mortgages or offering loans. I'm uh, charging a fee, you work with me, and I find what's best for you in the market based on your current situation, based on how your investments are set up, based on how your lending set up, and go through, and be- and I should say, go through people's finances with a fine tooth comb. And because of that, I'm providing advice that's really holistically based on the person and not based on a sales target. And uh, in my experience in banking, and this is, I've worked all over, and this is like not directed towards one institution, but everywhere you have some type of sales target and you have your annual evaluation that's based on that target. So that bucket needs to be filled by the end of the year, regardless if it's what's best for your clients or not. So
0: Uh, this gives you a lot of flexibility yeah.
1: yeah, and here's the thing. There are many institutions, financial institutions, that offer great products, but I haven't found one that offers the best of everything. So this gives me the opportunity to line up what's uh, or help people find what's best at one institution and what's best at another institution. And often it may or may not be at the brick and mortar bank that we often think about as When we think of banking, now there's what we call fintech, so online banks. There's online credit unions, each uh, mortgage brokers, each person has a different need, and therefore a different product that's out there is going to be what's best for them. So, for me, it's about knowing what's out there and then matching people up to what's best for them. And through that, I'm often able to save people on fees or interest, and of course taxes when I go through the financial planning side, but it is something that uh there's no cookie cutter solution for everyone. Therefore there's not one institution that matches one person's needs.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a neat way to look at it because we get sort of there's not a lot of financial education for people growing up, even when they graduate from university, they're just sent on their way and they they might go to the same bank mom and dad did, and go there for everything because that's what their parents did. So, it's very you know eye opening to even think, okay, like you can piece together what's best here and there. And of course, the major banks are always encouraging everyone to have all their business there, but it, it doesn't have to be that way.
1: And what's even more surprising that I found, uh, and so statistically in Canada, most people get their financial advice from their peers, not from a bank, an institution, or even their parents. But what that turns into is a game of telephone, which what goes in one person's ear it does not get spit back out of their mouth correctly. Yes. And what's right for the salesperson, what's right for the nurse, what's not right for business owner are all different things. So right. when one person's talking to a friend that's in a different job or a different life stage, and they're passing advice around. It's often, uh, if it's correct, it's often what's not actually best for that person.
0: Well, that's fascinating to think about. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's really, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: I've seen it amongst my peers uh, and friend groups. But then when I did research and realized that that is the case, you know, I see it when I talk to clients because they're like so-and-so, or I talk to a friend and they suggested this and it's like, oh, that may be right for them, but it's not right for you.
0: Right. So who is your ideal client that you can help the most or fits best for what you're offering?
1: Yeah, So my ideal client, I always describe them as typically lifelong learners, which is kind of a cliche. But my ideal client is typically someone that's looking to take control of their finances through learning more about what's in the industry or what's in the market that they can benefit from. Because my whole piece is about providing people education and information so that they can make an informed decision.
0: Nice. So
1: I'm often looking for lifelong learners. Usually, they typically fall between twenty five and forty five and typically it's someone that you know has a little bit of extra income for the first time or they're starting off in a new relationship and they want to you know have that conversation around their finances to figure out you know what are their shared goals and what do they want to do and really you know get started on the right path moving forward.
0: cool. And so when someone comes to you to engage in your services, can you outline what it looks like? You know, what what's like sort of a package that you would start them with?
1: This is typically the process for the average client. So I usually go over three months with my clients. And over the course of the three months, I go through and first start off with setting goals and understanding what people want to do in life? Like what's what's truly their goals? And I often tell people, think about not just financial goals, like any life goal, because they're often tied into a financial goal in some way. Sure. Um, then I go through and look at their cash flow. What really that is, is going through and seeing, figuring out what is working, what is not working, what systems can we put in place to better people's, basically help them not not die by the thousand paper cuts of unexpected but reoccurring expenses. The Christmas that we may not plan for, or the trip uh, trip away that we may not plan for throughout the year. Go through, look at every piece of someone's cash, then go through and build out a financial plan based on what they can really afford and matching their goals up, match to products that are in the industry or solutions that are in the industry to their cash flow so they can really afford if it's home ownership that we're putting away enough money per month, we know what the timeline is. We know how much they can they can afford in the future, because we're gonna look at how their income is growing and compare that to uh, all the ratios and things that happen in the background when we look at it, mortgage approvals, and then match up a down payment that'll be required and the timeline to achieve it so we can get that person into their first home. Or, or retirement, same thing. Matching up, looking through, making sure that people are saving enough, but making sure that if we're saying you need to be saving this much, that they can actually afford it in their cash flow. And inevitably, if they cannot afford an amount that someone advises them on, it may get built up on their line of credit or credit card, or get pulled from a savings in a different way. Then it becomes incredibly inefficient, and then we're doing consolidation loans down the road. So for me, it's about figuring out what people can really afford and then advising them on their goals and how long it's going to take to get there and how it's best for them to to do it. And I should say this, as I'm helping people go through this whole uh, financial planning and financial coaching process, I'm every step of the way helping them adjust to uh, any new banking that we're going to be setting up to make sure that it's working for them before, before I we end the engagement. We want to make sure that everything is working for them and any questions are answered and they know fully what's going on. And then we do an annual follow-up to make sure uh, we adjust for how their life has changed in a year, the markets, any new goals, and then go from there and adjust the plan accordingly. And then Keep going. So, yeah,
0: that's so great. That's uh, you can obviously tell that you you love what you do and you have a passion for it.
1: Yeah, it's it's been this career has always been very rewarding with helping people. But since setting up my business and offering services this way, it's been rewarding beyond what I ever thought it would be. When you're when you're done, or when someone has a goal and they don't think it's achievable, and you show them how it is. How it can be achievable? It's been, uh, yeah, something that fuels me to keep going. Yeah,
0: that's amazing, and you can tell that you're good at what you do. So it's it's invaluable. So it uh, kind of leads me to wondering because, of course, I do property management, and and something that we've been seeing recently has been the rising rent rate for for tenants and a lot of people a lot of homes have sold and then they have to go back when they've had a a reasonable rent and look at things that are five and six hundred dollars more per month so do you have any tips of how you would advise your clients being faced with something like that How, how to kind of manage that
1: Two things I would say. First, I would start with this. Um, the great thing is in having clients across the country, and we know rents are rising all across Canada. One of the key things on my side is predictability. So if we know that this is what we expect rent to increase by every year, that gives us the ability to predict and help to have a greater... Stability in the cash flow, in their cash flow, in the financial plan. But ultimately, also, if we're putting money aside for eventual home ownership, we know how much they're going to be able to afford every year. Now, that being said, due to different circumstances, I've had clients that unexpectedly have to move in a short period of time, and then all of a sudden, they have their rent go up more than what we anticipated in the budget. But the thing with uh, with what I do. Is that I have all their cash flow and lifestyle laid out, so we can then have I then have those conversations. Okay, if we you move into this property or you're looking at paying it this much, how is that going to impact your other goals? So then we just adjust the timelines on the other goals to match uh, what their new cash flow is. I always say this: most people, which we know, don't budget, uh, which is fine. Um, but it's, for me, it's building a framework of knowing how much someone has left to spend and how much we have to go to our fixed expenses like rent, but also like savings for the long term. So typically with my clients, we just adjust the plan accordingly. And let's say it's going to be an extra $600 a month. Then we figure out where that adjustment occurs and what then start talking about, you know, lifestyle or adjusting out other goals longer term. But the great thing is right now is I look at it this way. I hope a lot of my clients go from renting to buying a home and that gives them more control long-term in that expense in their life being housing. Of course, people's mortgage payments do change time to time and property taxes change. And insurance changes and fixing the roof occurs as well. But we have the predictability of having that mortgage payment. So I, uh, or the stability of mortgage payment. So I really work and try to help my clients go from renting to home ownership to build stability for themselves. And specifically, I have a package called I want to be a homeowner to help people get from renting to home ownership uh, in the most efficient way possible.
0: I think that's fantastic because while obviously <laughs> property management and renting homes, you know, that's that's what pays my bills, but but I do want that for our clients and our ideal tenants are responsible and you know, eventually I want them to own a home if if that's their goal and for most people it is. So I think that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, and a big thing with the two is that. Uh... Helping people realize what they can really afford. So I get many conversations looking back on people that have had to uh, switch apartments where their rent does go up, but then they know, okay, this is what I can actually afford. If I, whatever that amount is monthly, if and we have all that information because we've gone through their cash flow, we know what they can really. What their budget can really handle what their lifestyle can really handle and that way just like all financial goals are all financial information they're making decisions based on the best information and something that's not going to um uh, you know have them build up debt in the long term so that way they can one pay the rent and two move on to whatever the next whatever the next stage is, and maybe it is renting. Not Realistically, not everyone's going to be a homeowner. The thing to know is more people I've realized since doing this don't think they can be a homeowner, but can be a homeowner if they plan for it.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So we've had something happen in Nova Scotia where nurses are getting a bonus from the government. Can you can you share what that bonus is and uh, some strategies on how if you were a nurse and you were getting a windfall like this bonus, how to best apply it?
1: Yeah, so... The great thing is that right now, nurses in Nova Scotia, uh, if they're working a full-time position, are going to get $10,000. Other healthcare workers are going to get a one-time payment of $5,000 as long as they're in provincially funded positions. I would say check with the provincial government if you qualify. And nurses as well, if they sign on next year for another two years, they will receive another $10,000. Now, there's a few things uh, that I've heard. Or people are like, oh, I'm going to lose this all to taxes or what have you. There are ways to, one, either minimize or eliminate paying tax on it or defer the tax to a later date. And to kind of take this back one step, anyone that works in any job and you have a payroll department, you can go talk to the payroll department and say, take more tax off me. And they be like, "Okay, we'll take more tax off you. You can't go to your payroll department and say, take less tax off me. And they'll say, no. But there's actually a form to reduce uh, getting taxed at source uh, that you fill out with CRA. You submit it through to CRA and they say, you're okay. Give this to your payroll department. They don't have to tax you, take payroll deduction off of this amount. So in the case for nurses, we would would fill it out for $10,000. Then they will receive that $10,000 less CPP and EI contributions, pen deductions, without having any tax on it, as long as it's indicated that you're putting it into an RSP, first-time home buyer savings account, what have you. Then we look at using that money. Uh, if it's a first-time home buyer, how can we use that money to uh, plan for buying your first home? If it is we're looking at RSPs, we would say, uh, you know, for people that are on maternity been on maternity leave, disability, Uh, maybe worked for a different department in the government. There's all these reasons why you might be able to buy back pensionable years. And the way that their pension works is that you, it's a calculation based on years of service plus your age. So if you're able to buy back pensionable years, you may be able to retire sooner or you may be able to retire with a larger pension. And the thing to know about that is, is that it has to be an RSP first before you move it over into the pension plan. To get into the weed, weed of things. So this is a great way to get this money over and maybe speed up retirement. And I always say this: it's most people I deal with that are approaching retirement cannot wait to get out of their job. <laughs> Otherwise, they don't want to, you know, plan for retirement immediately. So although things may be great today, it's be- it's always beneficial better to have more years in that pension plan so you can retire sooner or richer. And uh, ultimately, the there's other strategies we can use with it as well in retirement, but that's a great way to get the money out without paying any income tax on it because ultimately in the long term, so they're going to tax you the way payroll taxes are calculated pretty heavily when you receive it. You'll get the difference back at tax time if you don't go this route, but you're gonna end up paying 35 plus percent as a tax liability on this money. So if you're thinking about taking this money and put it towards debt or or other parts of your finances that you're looking to improve it with, before you even apply to the debt, you're already losing 35, 37, maybe 40% to taxes. Maybe it's better to take it and put it into an RRSP and hold it in the long-term and we'll figure out a different strategy for that debt.
0: Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Uh a lot to think about and weigh out somebody's individual situation, but it's it's worth somebody contacting you and you know, crunching the numbers because that could save thousands.
1: Oh, and I mean like realistically, lifetime. I mean, depending on how much pensionable service you could purchase or what have and could you're really growing this money. Yeah. And you weren't expecting it and I always put this asterisk on everything. If you have debt that you cannot afford or it's causing you mental health issues or what have you, go after that first. Yeah. Otherwise, let's look at how we can grow your net worth.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, in the most efficient way possible.
0: Amazing. No, yeah. that's great. Makes total sense. Yeah. How can how can our listeners go to find out more about you?
1: So, they can check out my Instagram, which is worthy.financial, or uh, head to my website, worthyfinancial.ca. All of our services are offered online over Zoom. So, it doesn't matter where you're located in Canada, except yeah. that you, I'm always happy to have a consultation to understand where you're at. So, I often do meet with people, and maybe I'm not the right service for them, but I can guide them to the right service yeah, uh, otherwise, um uh, oftentimes I am the right service. so that way we can get started and start building a better future uh, and brighter future together um and giving people, you know, truly really access to the information, financial information, and their own information to make a better financial decision. So.
0: That's fantastic, and and you're such a lovely person too. So I know that they're, I know personally that they're in very good hands with you. You're very trustworthy and everything like that. So that's that's wonderful.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so I'm going to leave you with our final question to ponder and share with us. Where is your happy place?
1: My happy place. Regardless where I am is anytime I'm near the ocean or saltwater, I think one of the great parts of living in Nova Scotia, and I think more people we've realized have caught on to this, is that we have very much an ocean lifestyle. And, you know, after a long day in the summer, getting to drive 20 minutes and just be by the water, maybe go for a swim or read a book or start your day with a plunge is, uh, it's truly where I'm most happy. Yeah. That's what I love about this place. And yeah. So truly it's the beach, sand and salt water.
0: Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. it's the same for me. And it's so energizing and, and healing. And we're just, we're so lucky to live where we live.
1: Don't get me wrong. The North Atlantic is cold, but you get used to it. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great it's a great spot to be. So yeah.
0: Amazing, Tim. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is great. And uh, yeah, thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for listening to your happy place podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in and until next time,
1: stay cozy and kind.